reading of God's Word. Okay, good morning, church. Open to Proverbs chapter 14. Proverbs 14. We'll be looking through 16 through 35. Proverbs 14. A wise man feareth and departeth from evil, but the fool rageth and is confident. He that is soon angry dealeth foolishly, and a man of wicked devices is hated. The simple inherit folly, but the prudent are crowned with knowledge. The evil bow before the good, and the wicked at the gates of the righteous. The poor is hated even of his own neighbor, but the rich hath many friends. He that despiseth his neighbor sinneth, but he that hath mercy on the poor, happy is he. Do they not err that devise evil? But mercy and truth shall be to them that devise good. In all labor there is profit, but the talk of the lips tendeth only to penury. The crown of the wise is their riches, but the foolishness of fools is folly. A true witness delivereth souls, but a deceitful witness speaketh lies. In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence and his children shall have a place of refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. In the multitude of people is the king's honor, but in the want of people is the destruction of the prince. He that is slow to wrath is of, a, is of great understanding, but he that is hasty of spirit exalteth folly. A sound heart is the life of the flesh but envy the rottenness of the bones. He that oppresseth the poor reproacheth his maker, but he that honoreth him hath mercy on the poor. The wicked is driven away in his wickedness, but the righteous hath hope in his death. Wisdom resteth in the heart of him that hath understanding, but that which is in the midst of fools is made known. Righteousness exalteth a nation, but, re- but sin is a reproach to any people. The king's favor is toward a wise servant, but his wrath is against him that causes shame. Thank you. You may be seated. Amen. And before you please and turn to the book of Proverbs, and we're going to start, if you please turn to Proverbs chapter 27 and verse number 4. It's wonderful to see you all today. Good to see Josephine. God bless you, Josephine. It's always nice to have you with us. We miss you with us, Josephine, as she's gotten a little bit younger. It's, uh, she used to come every Sunday, every Wednesday, never missed a service. But uh, we love Josephine. She's been a part of our church here for many years. The message today I want to speak to you. It's a very original title, I know, Anger Management. And I just chose this as a title to just connect with something so familiar. You probably, maybe in your company, they have anger management courses that they offer. Of course, there are movies with this title. There are books with this title. There are countless articles and blogs and so forth with this particular title and subject matter, because anger is quite an issue for many people today. So I want to really be a help to you in this message, and I also want to be able, I want you to be able to help someone else with this message, with this matter of anger. So, here are the two verses that we could start with this morning. Proverbs 27, verse 4, says, Wrath is what? Cruel. Anger is outrageous. Proverbs 27, verse 4. And then it says, But who is able to stand before envy? So, notice those two words, wrath and anger. And now go to Proverbs chapter 29. And verse 22, and we see these same two words, and there are actually a number of Proverbs that have both of these two words, wrath and anger, or anger and wrath. 
Proverbs 29.22, it's the same two Hebrew words. The word wrath is translated furious, but it's the same two words here used in 29.22 where it says, can you read it with me? It says, an angry man stirreth up strife, and a furious man aboundeth in transgression. And so you see, some of these Proverbs, they, they build on one another, like an angry man and then a furious man. It, one statement is parallel to the next statement, and there's, there's a synonymous aspect to it, but also they, they have a nuance of difference. But what I want to point out to you here is that these two words are often, often appear together. In other po- passages as well in the Old Testament, anger and wrath. And the reason is this, the word anger deals with the outward appearance. The word wrath deals with the inward man. The word anger literally means someone whose nostrils are snorting, snorting nostrils. You know, like somebody so mad that they show it where? In their face. And that's the idea that the Hebrew brings out. When you're angry, it does come out in your face. Snorting nostrils, blowing out steam, if you will. The word wrath or furious here, and I highlighted the anger with yellow and the wrath with furious. Same Hebrew word, wrath and furious. Deal with the inner man. That the inner man, when he's angry, is boiling with resentment. So anger deals with both the outer and the inner man. The snorting nostrils and the inward churning of the heart and the swirling of emotion in the, in the inner being. A boiling with bitterness. And so let's look today at this matter of anger. Because anger has done untold damage and brought danger to many people. And based on Proverbs 16.32, it says, He that ruleth his spirit is is better than he that takes a city. He's, He's better than the mighty. And so therefore, some of the greatest victories that you will win in your life, some of the greatest victories will be a victory over anger that would bring damage to others around you, and danger to your own life. You can put your own life in danger through your anger, as well as damage people around you. So may God help us as we look into this matter of anger today. Let's pray. So now, Lord, please take this time and challenge us, and may it be a a blessing as we see Jesus. And Lord, take away the scales from our eyes that we can see You. Grind to dust our evil heart of unbelief, because without faith... It is impossible to please You. So give us faith to believe Your Word. Lord, people make jokes about anger in movies, but it's not a joke. It's a very real thing. And it brings danger and difficulty to many people's lives. Give victory over anger where that's needed and help us to be able to learn something that we can help somebody else with. So may we sit at Your feet like Mary today. May we lean on Your, on your breast like John. And may we count all things like Paul as dung in comparison to knowing you. Teach us your love. Teach us, Jesus, of your grace today in your name. Amen. So sometimes you just get mad at yourself, right? You ever get mad at yourself? Last week, I was when I was going to the airport at like four in the morning, I forget what time it was, but it was pretty early. And and Brother Josh, I felt bad for him. Can you imagine the first morning of your marriage driving me to the airport that's what <laughs> that was his blessing the, the very first day of his marriage I said Josh I'm really sorry about this but anyway so he took me to the airport and I and he said it's better if you go upstairs and, and at the at the the security they have less people are usually up there and I walked into the Pittsburgh airport at like it was five in the morning or something like that it was like packed with people. I just couldn't believe how many people were there. So I said, okay, I'll go upstairs. So I'm going to this more obscure area upstairs and going through security up there. And I stand in the line. And then I get a call from Josh. He said, uh, uh, Pastor Matt, you left your sermon notes in my car. I said, oh, man. I said, oh, don't worry about it. I'll just I'll text them to my wife and 
and she can print them out, and, you know, so we can figure, I'm such a techno whiz, you know, uh, we'll figure it out. Uh, and so, but, so I, I didn't think he was going to come, and all of a sudden, about three people from line and to, to, to see the security and present my identification, and there's Josh. And he, he went up there and he brought me my sermon notes. I said, that was so nice of you, man. I'm not, uh, help me out in my, in my stupidity. So then I, I go through security. I showed him my license. I threw away a water or whatever. And I go through security. Really always a, such an enjoyable experience. I know you love to go through. Isn't that like your favorite part of travel? You just say, I can't wait to go through the security. Anyway, so I get through security and I'm putting my belt back on and putting my shoes and all that. You know that, how, you know the drill. And, um, and then I had to take a shuttle, one of those shuttle uh, trains into the, ter- to the terminal area. And then I realized when I get there, I don't have my driver's license. I was like, oh, no, where's my driver's license? So I'm like, oh, Wrecker, what are you doing? You know, ah! so, I didn't have my, so I said, should I go back? I said, what? what's the sense in going back? I mean, I'm never, never gonna have, nobody's going to find my license. But anyway, so I said, oh, I have a few minutes. So, so I went back. I had to take the shuttle train back. To the, and then I had to figure out going upstairs again. And, and so I, I went up the escalator, and I'm walking back toward the security, and there was a security desk there, and a guy was sitting in his chair, and guess what he had in his hand? I, oh, he had my license. I said, oh, thank the Lord. And then I said to myself, I'm not telling anybody how stupid I am. I'm not telling anyone. So here, I, I just told you, I just let, let the cat out of the bag. Anyway, sometimes you get mad at yourself. You leave stuff behind, you lose stuff. And, and life can be very angering at times. But it hurts when a friend slights you. When their actions and by their actions and words, they hurt you and slice you. When a parent constantly criticizes you. A co-worker gossips against you and you thought you were appreciated by them. Or somebody steals from you. And you're shocked at that, and you wonder how to deal with that and the lasting bitterness. And, and anger can really take over people's lives. Anger can really destroy families and marriages. It's so controlling to the mind that at some point, sometimes people give up prayer and they can't even think about reading the Bible. They, they cannot concentrate so that anything sinks into their mind and gets through the anger. An angry person I'm talking about today is like a hothead. Someone with a short fuse. Someone like a time bomb ready to explode. Someone who's become irrational in their way they think through things and they're impetuous, they just act. Anger. So what makes anger sinful though? We read, for example, in the Bible that Haman, when Mordecai would not bow down to him, It says he was full of wrath. Haman was angry that Mordecai would not bow to him. You know the story. And yet it says in the Bible too that God is a God who is full of wrath. So, was God right and Haman wrong? Why? What is this thing of anger? Well, we must all learn to manage our anger. So I want us to look at four Specific principles we must realize to handle and manage our anger. The first principle I want to share is this. We have to realize what anger is. Anger, first of all, is an emotion in all of us. And in its pure form, anger is as holy and as good a passion as love itself. In its holy form. Now, don't justify your anger yet. (laughs) But anger in its pure form is as holy a passion as love because God is angry at sin and sinners. Do you know what there's a picture of that I have here? It's Jesus when He was in the temple. Mark chapter 3, I think it's in verse 5. It's the only place in the New Testament where it specifically says that Jesus looked around the temple, He saw the judgmental Pharisees and their hypocrisy, that they, were, that they did not think He should heal this man with the withered hand, and Jesus was angry at them. He was angry at their sin of hypocrisy 
and of religious pride. The second thing I want us to say about, see about anger is that it is essentially love in motion. That's what anger is. It's love in motion. And anger deals with whatever threatens what is loved. So we have to understand what anger is and where our anger is coming from. So, anger is love in motion. If you're getting mad at someone or angry at them, ask yourself, what is it that you are loving that is causing you to get angry because something you love is being threatened. So, without love, you would never get angry. You love something. Now, God is perfect, as I said, and, and God gets angry in perfect, with perfect love. So, what happens to our anger? Anger becomes sinful... When it is out of order. When our love is out of order. Our anger becomes sinful when it is disordered, out of proportion. And when that happens, sinful anger is soon angry. Sinful anger is always soon angry. God's anger is never that way. We'll see. So when we love things out of order, that is, like Haman, I just talked about him, why was his anger wrong and why is God's anger right? Well, what did Haman love? He loved himself. He loved his pride. He loved his position. And if somebody would not love his position as he loved himself and his position, he would get angry at them. Haman was purely selfish in his loves. His love was out of order. And that's the problem with our anger. Our love gets out of order. When our love is disordered we, and we get angry at whatever threatens what we love. So, if, for example, if, if a drunkard who loves his alcohol, somebody says, I'm going to take your alcohol away from you, he will get angry at that person because he loves his alcohol. And, and on and on. We could go with illustrations like that. So sinful anger gets soon angry in, that, in, that, in those moments. Sinful anger is like a soul explosion. It's an explosion of the soul. It's an inner tenor temper tantrum. Think of little children, how quick they get angry. And it's usually just because they want it. Or somebody has what they want and they want it now. Little children can get so soon angry. And by the way, as parents, that's the foolishness that a parent must lovingly drive out of their children. And I might even speak a message about that with a neutral object the book of Proverbs calls a, what? A rod. But anger is this inner temper tantrum that pulverizes people around them. Anger can pulverize. Anger can, drop, can like grind you to dust when you're around angry people. So anger becomes sinful when it's disordered, out of proportion, when we become soon angered. Now, look at Proverbs chapter 14. And these two verses that in the Scripture reading today, and this is why we read this passage, is to get to these two verses, verse 17 and verse 19, or 29. Verse 17 and 29. Can you go to Proverbs chapter 14, verses 17 and 29? And this is a very important point about anger. God does not tell us no anger, because anger is a part of our human emotions that God has given to us. God gets angry. Anger in its pure form is not sinful, it's not bad. But it must be based on love properly ordered, as we'll see. So God does not tell us no anger, but He does tell us that soon anger, if I could say it that way, getting angry quickly, in a hasty, impetuous way, is sinful. Soon anger is wrong. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 17 says, He 
that is soon angry dealeth foolishly. And there are a number of scriptures we can look at in Proverbs that talk about getting angry soon. It's always wrong. So if you find yourself getting angry at the drop of a hat, disordered love. You have to figure out what you're loving more than God. He that is soon angry dealeth foolishly. A man of wicked devices is hated. Because then you see anger can... So the, one, the second phrase there builds on the first. Anger can, can lead a person to think of, of plotting and scheming something evil that could, could, could bring about revenge. Perhaps that's what the proverb is saying. Now skip down to verse 29 where it says... Can you read it with me? Proverbs 14, 29. What a beautiful proverb. He that is slow to wrath is of great understanding. But he that is hasty of spirit exalteth folly. Slow to anger is an interesting phrase. You know why? Because outside of Proverbs, if you look that that phrase up, it is used almost exclusively of God Himself. This is God's anger. God is slow to anger. And I could give you just a couple of verses. Nahum chapter 1, verse 3, The Lord is slow to anger and great in power. Joel chapter 2, verse 13, He is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness. Psalm 145, verse 8, The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and of great mercy. So this verse says, Proverbs 14.29 He that is slow to wrath is of great understanding. So we must be slow to anger. So, God doesn't tell us no anger, but He does tell us that soon anger is wrong and slow anger is right. So that's a few things about anger and what it is. Now the second thing we want us to realize that we must realize is the importance, if I could drill down, on this matter of slow to anger. Because God is slow to anger, we are also to be slow to anger. And there's a number of verses that we could see here. I'll just look at three of them. First of all, he that is slow to anger, according to that verse, is of great what? Understanding. And there is there are notes if you want to take notes on page 10 and 11, right, in your bulletin, is of great understanding. He that is slow, it doesn't say, by the way, he that is slow to anger is born that way. And if, you, and if you're not slow to anger, there's nothing you could do about it. Uh-uh. You can't, can't fall back on that one. Sorry. You're not born with an angry streak. Some people say, well... My temperament is just one where I get angry quickly. Well, then repent of your sin. Repent of your sin. The wise, like God, are slow to anger. So we need to ask God to give us that great understanding. That word understanding is a synonym for wisdom. It's used throughout Proverbs. And it's very close to wisdom itself. So he that is slow to wrath is of great wisdom, is of great understanding. Slow to anger, you see, de-escalates the conflict. It tries to bring calm to the strife rather than perpetuate it. We need patience to overcome anger. The second thing is, one slow to anger appeases what? What does this proverb say? Strife. A wrathful man stirs up strife. Wrath just like stirs the pot of conflict. Strife meaning brawling, arguing, fighting, screaming. Strife. A wrathful man. When you're angry, and there are many verses that deal with this. Many verses. In Proverbs. A wrathful man stirs up strife, but he that is slow to anger appeases strife. So, being slow to anger calms the situation. It de-escalates the situation. Appease the strife. 
That should be our goal, by the way. See, a wise person doesn't have to be right all the time. A wise person will prioritize peace and maybe just be quiet. Or get a soft answer turns away wrath. Proverbs 15.1 And the third thing about being slow to anger, not only is one slow to anger of great understanding and appease of strife, but the third thing is he, he's better than the mighty. And we've looked at this. This was one of our key verses last week, but it's in the, in the text as well today because it deals with anger. Last week we talked about ruling our spirit in general. And one of those ways that we must rule our spirit is with this anger, matter of anger. So today we're just focusing on anger. But he that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, better than a mighty man, better than a conqueror of a city. He that rules the spirit than he that takes a city. So, slow to anger is important. Now, on the, on the flip side of that, being soon to anger is very dangerous. Is very dangerous. So we must realize, number three, realize the dangers of being soon angry. So we look first at what anger is. Two, we looked at the importance of being slow to anger. And number three, realize the dangers of being soon angry. And we're not going to spend a huge amount of time with all of these because there's a number of them, but let's just look at a few of them. Proverbs 14, 17 says what? He that is soon angry dealeth foolishly, and a man of wicked devices is hated. So when you're soon angry, how are you going to act? Foolishly. And that's not wise to be a fool. Anger can make a wise man a fool. A fool is someone who doesn't know God. A fool is someone who doesn't see life from God's perspective. We've said that wisdom is the ability to skillfully discern and exercise your understanding of God, your knowledge of God in those moral and difficult decisions of life that you have to make decisions on. And wisdom is, is that skill, it's, uh, it's the ability to skillfully apply your knowledge. We've said that. So foolishness is the opposite. When you're acting foolishly, you're not skillfully looking at the situation to exercise a wise Decision. When you're angry soon, there's no sense of proportion. You overreact. You're undisciplined. You're unpredictable. You get out of control. You'll utter angry words that you'll regret later on. So, soon anger brings foolishness. The second thing, and we've already hit on this, but I want to look at a few more verses is that one soon angry brings strife. And I said there are a lot of verses about this, so I want you to go to these verses. It might be good for you to turn, if you have your Bible, turn to them. I put them on the screen for people who don't have their Bible, but if you have your Bible, please join me by reading them out of your Bible. Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 33. And I also want to make a point of just about different Proverbs and how they are. Proverbs are really, really amazing, aren't they? I love the Proverbs. So this proverb is a colorful illustration, a metaphor, a colorful metaphor. It's, it paints a picture. And it says, Proverbs 30, verse 33, can you read it with me? It says, Surely the churning of milk bringeth forth butter, and the wringing of the nose bringeth forth blood. So the forcing of wrath bringeth forth strife. Now, have you ever made butter? One time I was trying to make cookies or something and I put the butter in our, uh, I, I, I put, uh, no, it was heavy cream. I put heavy cream in the, in the KitchenAid mixer that we have, that my parents gave me. I think I mentioned that. And I, I just put that, I think I put it in there too long. And all of a sudden I looked down and it was butter. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's how you make butter. <laughs> yeah, that's how you make butter. You just churn it away. And it's, so it says here, the churning of milk. It's, it's no doubt about it. It's going to bring forth butter. 
There's a, a, a sure result you're going to have if you churn milk and the result is butter. And there's no doubt about it. If you take the nose and you just keep twisting it and you, you punch it a little bit and you, you rinse it around, it's going to bring forth blood. And just as much as you get blood from wringing the nose and butter from churning the milk, if you force strife, or you force wrath, I'm sh- uh, uh, sorry, if you force that wrath, you're going to get what in your, in your relationship? Strife. So anger brings about strife. So again, I ask, do you have to be right all the time? Or can you say, I have to have peace? By the way, I- I'm curious when I read the Bible... So I'm like, what, you know what happened when I was reading this verse? I said to myself, oh, what is that word forcing? So I went to my Blue Letter Bible and I went to, the, to see what, what's, that, what's that word forcing? I'm just curious. If the, it, I, I want to see other cross-references, actually. I wanted to see if there are other cross-references where that word forcing, the forcing of wrath, what is that, like the forcing of pushing wrath on people, you know, pushing your anger on people. So when I went there, I found that that word forcing is used three times in the Old Testament. And they're all in that verse right there. And the word churning and ringing and forcing is actually all the same Hebrew word. I thought that was interesting. So here's another one. If you go back to Proverbs chapter 26, look at Proverbs chapter 26, verse 21. This is also a colorful metaphor that he's painting for us, a word picture. And let's go up to verse 20, actually. I just have verse 21 on the screen, but I want to read up to verse 20 through 22. Proverbs chapter 26, verse 20, it says, Where no wood is there, the fire goeth out. You can picture it, right? You can picture a fire that has burned all the wood and now the fire is dying out. We've all seen that. So where there's no tailbearer, the strife ceaseth. So people's lies can bring about strife. He says, as coals are to burning coals and wood is to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. Now the word anger isn't in this passage, but contentious has the idea of anger here. And it's used for a contentious and an angry woman. So it's used as a synonym for anger. So that's why we're looking at this. So he says a contentious man is like adding wood to the fire. When when you're full of anger, it's like throwing wood on the fire and you're going to get strife. Kindle strife. The words of a talebearer are as wounds and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. So this contentious person in this passage is, is telling lies, is gossiping, and is feeding the fire with his words of anger and gossip and lies. Sad to say, but church is known for that. <laughs> Some people, you know why they don't want to go to church? I don't want those people gossiping about me. So don't gossip. Another thing about soon anger, not only does it bring... It brings strife. But, well, here's another verse. Let's look at a couple more verses. Go to chapter 29, verse 22. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 22. If you could go there. And it says there, An angry man stirreth up strife, and a furious man aboundeth in transgression. So a lot of Proverbs, by the way, are like this. So, you see the two parts of that proverb? It's saying the same thing, but, but it... The second part of the proverb makes progress or it strengthens the first, the first part. So he says, an angry man stirreth up strife and a furious man aboundeth in transgression. Almost like the result of the strife that he causes. So the second phrase builds on the first. But anger does that. It stirs up strife And then it causes the person who's angry to abound in transgression. And the last one here we'll look at before we get to the next point is that 
a wrathful man stirreth up strife, but he that is slow to anger appeaseth strife. So we looked at that one already, but the reason I wanted to look at it again is just to make this point of a lot of Proverbs. So you see this one, there's two parts to this proverb, but the second part is not building on the first part. The second part is what to the first part? It's a, it's a contrast. So here he's contrasting an angry person, someone who's soon angry, who stirs up strife, and someone who is slow to anger, who appeases strife. You see? So that's how the Proverbs are. So when you read the Proverbs, you might want to just ask yourself, what's going on in this particular verse? Is it a contrast? Is one part of the proverb contrasting with the other? Is it progressing? Is it adding to, is the second part adding to the first part? And so forth. Appeasing strife. You know, the Bible says it's an honor for a man to cease from strife. A wise man will seek to bring peace rather than to always show he's right. Another danger of being soon angry, not only foolishness and strife, but is continuous trouble. Proverbs 19.19. Can you read this proverb with me? It says, A man of great wrath shall suffer punishment. For if thou deliver him, yet thou must do it again. You know what I think of when I read this verse? I think of the recidivism rate of so many who get bailed out. A lot of, you know, they did this no bail law now. And so I saw this awful video. I don't know what just happened here. Did, did this die out? Does I have that power? Oh, no. I, I, I thought I checked that earlier. It's these Apple computers. Sorry, Adrian. I saw this awful video, though, of a police officer just getting beat up right in our own New York City subway. It was, it was brutal. And... The person who beat up that officer was bailed out by the next morning. But what this proverb is saying is if that person doesn't get a hold of his anger, he's just going to keep doing it again and again and again. Angry people get in trouble, then they get into deeper trouble. It says a man of great wrath suffers punishment. If you deliver him, you have to do it again. Now, this verse also teaches a parent how to handle their angry little child. Hold them accountable for their anger. Because if you just let it go and you don't deal with it, it's going to get worse. He's going to get angry again. A lot of parents, when their children get in trouble with the law, the first instinct, I know of a parent, the first instinct of a parent would be, I've got to get my kid out of this. I've got to bail him out. I understand that. And you may, but if, you're, if your child doesn't deal with their anger, you're just going to have to bail them out again and again and again. That's what this is saying here, and that's so true. So if somebody breaks something because they're angry, don't just let it go and say, oh, it's okay, we don't need that. Hold them accountable for what they've broken. Make them make restitution in some kind of way. If they can work, maybe do a chore in the house if it's your child. Or something, make restitution that they pay proper compensation. But the point is, hot-headed people who are time bombs cannot be rescued. I had a picture on the screen before everything died out on us of road rage. You know what road rage is, right? It's unbelievable how people could just get angry. You talk about getting soon angry. Road rage is always soon anger. So road rage is wrong. Christian, don't get, don't get involved in road rage. Just ask God to give you peace. Because road rage is soon anger. Not slow to anger. 
I saw this really crazy fight. It was a little video. I had a, a, just a still shot of it. But it was a lady, and, and when the video started, she was talking to a guy in the car, and while she was about to walk away, they flipped their drink at her, and she was like, what are you doing, you know? And, and so, so her boyfriend took his foot, and he, he kicked the car, and so then the guy got out of the car, and then they started having this terrible fight, and then finally... The guy got back in, the one guy got back in his pickup truck and the other was in the car and the guy in the pickup truck didn't just drive away though, he, he reversed his pickup truck and smashed into the car, you know? It's like, oh, that just, you talk about not de-escalating the situation, I mean, the situation was over. Just go ahead, go on your way, go home. But people can't just let, can you let it go? Do you have to just get that last word? Do you have to get that last punch? Do you have to get that last word in continual trouble I'm sorry Adrian thank you so much okay soon other dangers of of anger quick is loneliness I'm just going to hit these real real fast loneliness destruction because wrath is cruel Anger is outrageous, so letter D was loneliness. Make no friendship with an angry man, with a furious man, thou shalt not go. In other words, anger pushes people away from you. If you're angry, you're going to push people away from you. And you'll be all alone. Destruction, wrath is cruel, and anger is outrageous. The word outrageous there literally means an overflowing flood that brings destruction. So here are the two sidekicks of anger. Cruelty, wrath is cruel, and outrageous destruction. Destruction. The two sidekicks of anger are cruelty and destruction. Do you want to be an angry person? Now, who's that a picture of? Saul. Remember how angry he was at David? Cruel and destructive. Do you know who that is a picture of? I don't know if you could see that. You'd have to be closer, I know. That's a picture of Simeon and Levi. Remember what they did to the whole city of the men of Shechem when the men of Shechem raped their sister Dinah? They slew the, the men of that city. And later on, their father said, Cursed be their anger, it was fierce. And their wrath, it was cruel. Destruction, abounding transgressions. Soon anger brings even more transgression. Who does this remind me of? An angry man stirreth up strife. A furious man aboundeth in transgression. You know who that reminds me of? Joseph's brothers. They had strife. And we're going to start studying the life of Joseph in our radio program next week. We're going to start with Vinny and Grace. We're going to have Grace on the radio with us. We've been praying for Grace for a long time. Amen? No. But an angry man stirreth up strife. And that's, it says that the brothers of Joseph could not even speak peaceably to them, to him. And then that abounded even more into more sin. What did they do? They sold him in, into slavery. So soon anger brings foolishness, strife, continual trouble, loneliness, destruction, and abounding transgression. So lastly... Let's consider the deliverance over soon anger. And this is very important. I pray that God will help us to really listen now to this part of the message. Realize the deliverance over soon anger. Look at this verse. The discretion of a man deferreth his anger. And it is his glory to pass over a transgression. To defer anger means to prolong it. It means to have long suffering. It means to be slow to anger. It means to postpone your anger. So you're, you're making that conscious decision of having slow anger and not soon anger. But you know when I read this verse, you know what I think of? This is Jesus Christ on the cross. This is the wisdom of Jesus Christ. Because 
If there was ever a man slow to anger, it was Jesus when He was being hated and crucified. Jesus Christ on the cross is the greatest example of slow anger. Those who sought to kill Him is the greatest example of soon anger. So we need wisdom. We need to have this discretion. The word discretion basically is another synonym. There's various synonyms in Proverbs for wisdom. it's, It's a similar word. Close meaning to wisdom. The wisdom of a man. A man will demonstrate wisdom by postponing and being slow to anger, long to anger. And it is His glory to pass over a transgression. That reminds me of Jesus. So I want to share two things. How can we be delivered from soon anger? And through wisdom, through this great understanding... As, it said, as we looked at earlier, he that is slow to wrath is of great understanding. So we need great wisdom to overcome our anger and be slow to anger. And this greatness is not found in us, but in the Lord Himself. We need the Lord. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> so, letter A I have here now in the healing, the deliverance, is that disordered rage is healed when love is put in the proper order. Remember what I said earlier? Soon anger and sinful anger is, is based on a disordered love. What you're, love you're, you're not loving in the order of, of the way God has made us to love. Something is out of order. So we need to put love in proper order. So you might say, well, how can I put love in proper order? How can I do that? Ah, How can you put love in proper order? Know the everlasting and infinite love of Jesus Christ for your soul. Know who Jesus Christ is. Know the death He died for you on the cross. What does Paul say? The love of Christ constraineth me. That's not my love for Him. But His love for me moves me. His love stirs me. We need to be stirred by the love of Jesus Christ for our soul. You will never love Him until you first realize how much He loves us. That's what 1 John 4 says. Herein is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and gave His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. And that word propitiation, we sang about it this morning in one of our songs, it basically means we are under the wrath of God. We deserve a fiery flame of hell. That's what you deserve. That's what I deserve. We deserve punishment for our sins. The wages of sin is death. Everlasting damnation and destruction out from the presence of God. This is what our sin deserves. This is what my sin deserves in God's sight. Who am I to get angry at someone else when God's anger should rightfully fall on me so. But Jesus Christ has borne that anger. He's borne the wrath of God. That's the idea of propitiation. He satisfied the justice of God that my sin deserves. Jesus bore hell for me and for you and for all the world. So, how can we order our love aright? Is no, we are everlastingly and infinitely loved by Jesus Christ. And then we respond to His love for us and we love Him. And as we begin to love God supremely, we, we, order our, we can begin to order our, our life right in, in proper order. Then, when we know we're loved by God and we respond in love to God, then we say, I want to live for the glory of God. That's how you truly know you're responding properly to the love of God. When you have a desire to live, not for yourself, not for your own pleasures and power and popularity and possessions, but to live for the glory of God. Whether therefore you eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. True love happens when we seek God's glory as our ultimate purpose. And by the way, I believe the local church fits into the ultimate purpose God has for us. 
God, and I, I spoke about this on Wednesday night. What are we on earth here to do? We're here to, to unite in the membership of the church, grow in spiritual maturity, and, and be involved in ministry. And I believe that's satisfying and fulfilling an ultimate purpose God has for us in this life. One of them is to be a part of a Bible-believing church like this. But what I'm saying is this. We must know we're loved everlastingly. We respond to God and love Him. And then we begin to live for His glory. And then when we begin to live for His glory, we discover true happiness. We discover true peace. And then we can become slow to anger. You know why? Because we'll get we'll be angry as God is angry. We'll be slow to anger. And we'll get angry only at that which, which, which is a threat to the love and glory of God in my life. That's what we should get angry at. Slow to anger because we're only going to get angry at what is a threat to the glory of God in my life. And will hinder me from loving God first with all my heart, soul, and mind and strength and my neighbor as myself. Because God has made me to love Him and you and to bring Him glory. And that's the life properly ordered. Disordered rage is healed when love is put in the proper order. So I ask you, have you responded? Do you believe in this infinite love of Jesus? And then do you love Jesus Christ? Do you love Jesus? And are you living for His glory? And have you found the joy and peace in that? Many of you have. I know many of you have. Praise God for that. Let's not forget that. Now the the last thing I want to emphasize here is the most common disordered rage in humanity is, I believe, it's against God. The essence of man's anger when things are out of order, is in anger against God. Oh, Cain, why did you kill your brother? He was mad at God. Oh, Uzziah, why did you get angry at the prophet? Remember the king Uzziah? It's because the prophet rebuked the king for doing things in the temple that were not his responsibility, and he got angry. He was mad at God. Oh, Sanhedrin, why did you have Christ crucified? Because we were mad and envious at Jesus Christ. The most common disordered rage that people have is anger at God. And wrath is cruel and anger is outrageous. Who is able to stand before envy? That's what Jesus Christ stood before. The cruelty of men. The the overflowing destruction of man. Which turned into envy against Jesus. Again, when I see Proverbs 27.4, I see the people against Jesus. Cruel, wrath, outrageous, anger, and envy. Who is able to stand before that? Jesus Jesus Christ. A lot of people are mad at God, aren't they? Why did God let, allow that to happen? If God, why did God, uh, uh, people turn away from God? But you know, I was thinking about Cain. He was mad at God, but he wasn't an atheist. <laughs> Cain couldn't be an atheist. But a lot of people get angry at what happens in their life and they turn from God and they even say, there's no God. And they turn into atheism or agnosticism or some form of pagan Ways people are soon angry at God. But the greatest example of soon anger is those who crucified Jesus Christ. What disordered rage. Didn't Jesus Christ face disordered rage? Did He deserve that rage? It says they hated Him without a cause. No cause in their rage. Think of all Jesus did. He left heaven's glory. He came to earth. And yet men grabbed Him, mocked Him. They didn't merely kill Him. No, they crucified Him. After they spat upon Him. After they pulled out His beard. And they did all these things. They plucked out His beard. They scourged His back. Question. When did Jesus ever get mad? Ever? At them? He didn't get mad? And you will? I will? Now, I have anger issues at times. But we need to look to Jesus. We need Jesus Christ. He never... This is slow to anger. When He was treated so unjustly. Now, why? Why when they plucked out His beard, 
he didn't reach out for theirs and pluck it as well. Why when they scourged his back? He was strong enough to grab that scourge out of those soldiers' hands and smite them with it as well. He could have done that. He could have called all his angels and he could have called it all off. He, d- he could even have gotten angry, but he didn't get angry when they crowned him with thorns, when they nailed him to the cross. He didn't get angry. This is what it is to be slow to anger. And you know why he didn't do it. He didn't get angry because he loved you. And he loved me. He loves us that much. And he loved his Father who sent him to do this task. And he loved the Word of God that he was fulfilling at this moment because he knew what the prophet said. In Isaiah 53, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. And he is broad as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. And Jesus even quoted Isaiah 53, and he says, The things concerning me have an end. I must be numbered with the transgressors. So Jesus Christ loved his Father. He loved the Scripture that prophesied his death. And he loved us, whom he came to save. And that's why he did it all. It was for the glory of God. So look at this Scripture again. The discretion of a man postpones his anger. And he postponed it when he went to the cross. Now, if men reject him, it doesn't mean that he will not hold people accountable for their sin, because he will, and he will cast those into hell who reject him. But he deferred his anger... Because you know why? He wants the strife to cease. Because sin, our sin against Him has caused strife. And He wants to take away that strife by taking away our sin so that we're not angry at God, so that we have fellowship with Him and we can know that we're loved and we can know that we're forgiven. And it, was, and it, is, it is the glory of His being, the glory of Jesus Christ in His glorious love. He said from the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That's the beauty of Jesus Christ. And may His beauty shine in us. Let's stand together as we pray. So Lord, we ask for You to deliver us from anger today. Help us to take our cross and be like You, Lord, slow to anger. You were of great understanding. In being slow to anger, You sought to appease And remove the strife that's between us. And Lord Jesus, You are the true and mighty One. You are the One better than the mighty. You ruled Your Spirit, not just to take a city, but to conquer a world and to conquer sinners. Thank You, Lord. You're the mighty conqueror. And by being slow to anger and going to the cross, You're better than the mighty. Oh Lord, as I think of all that You did for us, and I go back to these Proverbs, almost in every proverb I can see You now, Lord Jesus, and I can see your, your, how, how slow to anger You are, and of great mercy You are, and how full of compassion You are. And Lord, I can see how those who rejected You are foolish, filled with strife, get in continual trouble, drive themselves into loneliness, destruction, and even abounding transgressions. So Lord, today, help us to put our life and our loves into proper order and heal our disordered rage by realizing your everlasting love. So I just want to ask today as we close in prayer, are you born again and are you saved? Do you know Jesus as your Savior? You say, yes, I have believed that I'm a sinner and because of my sins I deserve death even in hell. But Jesus died on the cross to deliver me from that great death. And He rose again. And I've been born again by His grace. And I'm on my way to heaven because of what Jesus did. Not by my own works, but by His grace, I'm saved. Can I see your hand? Just hold it up there and just say, thank you, Lord. In just a moment, we're going to have our communion service. And we've been talking about the cross. You may put your hands down. And how many would say, Pastor Matt, I'm mad. I'm mad at God or I'm mad at someone around me. Can I see your hand? Is there anyone who say, Pastor Matt, pray for me. 
take that anger and look to Jesus Christ who was slow to anger and take His Spirit and say, Lord, fill me with Your Spirit. You see, that's the Spirit of God we need that is of love and of joy and of peace and of gentleness. Lord, give us Your Spirit to be delivered from anger, disordered rage. So now, Lord, we love You and praise You. Do Your mighty work in Jesus' name. Amen.